This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, I think it's a fair uh, result with a draw. They had some big moments. David had a great save, stands up well, uh, blocks that shot. Harry had a couple of blocks that could have could have gone uh, worse for us. Then we had a few moments as well, a couple of corners, that, or three corners, three headers there that we're, we're close on. And Marcus is just a foot offside when, when we should have had a penalty if that wasn't. It's, yeah. it's different, isn't it? I think we all agree on that. It's home, away, derby, no derby. Uh, it's a game of football could have met Pep tomorrow in the training ground and played again. So it's it's one of those. It's yeah, I know we played for points. Players give everything, but we lack the support. Of course we do, and uh, I can't wait for them to get. And off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaking after the derby draw and about missing the fans at Old Trafford. Off the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening. Uh, before we start, I just want to say this show is pre-recorded. So yeah, the Champions League draw just took place. Go to our Facebook page and you'll see who's going to meet who in the last 16 in the Champions League. Can't say fairer than that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Tweet us uh, at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, joining me this evening then, we've got Cam Raslan. Hello, Cam. Hi, Ross. Des Corkill is here as well on the Monday. Hello, Des. I did the tie league last night. Five VARs in one match. It's ridiculous all over the world. <laughs> so looking forward to hear about tie VAR. <laughs> Nicholas Arnil uh, rejoins us after a, a long time away, in which time he got married in that. Well done. Oh, well done. Congratulations. Gained yourself you. a missus. Good to see all of you. Yeah, we just watch football. You go and get a missus. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Man, Man United nil, Man City nil. Uh, Cameras Land, we, we saw this weekend that 2,000 fans in a stadium can actually make a difference. And that Manchester derby was dire. It really, really needed fans, didn't it? Uh, I thought it was quite a sluggish weekend all around, actually. And this was perhaps the most sluggish uh, of the lot. Um, I, I do enjoy the, the crowd reactions when they're queued up by somebody in the, in the stadium because they're usually like five seconds too late as well. But the, um, I mean, to, to be fair to United and City for that matter, they had their chances. I really thought United could win this because I felt that they were really set up to beat City. Like the whole design of the team was simply to beat Manchester City. Um, and yet unable to. Uh, yeah, pretty dull, but uh, they had their chances. Defenders came to the fore. I thought Harry Maguire and John Stones both played really well in front of the watching Gareth Southgate. Um, Des, in terms of reaction from the Leipzig loss, I guess this was a, the right defensive performance from Man United. Yeah, this was a, a very serious game of football, a very... Um... One for the purists, because tactically, it, it was excellent. Now, my, my issue is, and it's always the one I'll come back to, uh, there's a duty of care to actually try and go and win games. I think both teams were happy with the point, um, which in other parts of the world could be considered match-fixing. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's nil-nil. Neither has really, really gone for it. Um, 
Uh, Pogba's come in and played a, a, a disciplined defensive role in which he's been given a, a lot of criticism for. And I'm actually thinking for the first time, gosh, he's doing what he's told on the, on the, on the field of play. <laughs> so, so I really can't get Pogba worked out. And Man City are, are just not firing. Mm. I don't know what it is. But the thing with both of these teams in the bigger context, take away my whinge about them not uh, entertaining us, they're both in the mix. They are serious contenders for a Champions League slot and the title because it's so congested up there. That's a good point because both Manchester clubs do have a game in hand. But Nicholas, I know, uh, Des touched on it there. Why was Pep Guardiola maybe satisfied with a draw? This is Man City we're talking about. They, they go and bludgeon teams for fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think looking into the context of the game, they were playing away and, and the fact that you know Manchester United were reeling off a uh, big defeat, uh, Guardiola perhaps expected an onslaught. And, uh, you know, what he got was uh, uh, a sturdy tactical approach from, uh, from Ole, you know, uh, two defensive uh, midfielders to stifle the attacking uh, threat of City. And I think just uh, on that basis alone, he would have been happy to come away with a draw. But uh, just looking into the context of the game, I think City had the edge. They could have edged it. They could have taken all three points if De Bruyne had converted. Uh, that that one chance from the rebound, you know, that was a glorious opportunity. Um, of course, you know, looking in, into the big context of the game, it wasn't the most entertaining game. But um, I think this is where the fans play the most crucial role, and United fans will be so happy uh, to get fans back uh, when they host uh, Leeds. Um, the passion and 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 the determination of the players, I think, depended a, a lot on on the attendance of the fans. And and Roy Keane pointed out after that. Uh, that he was upset with the players hugging and, you know, talking Kali, to each other. the game. As yeah, if yeah. this wasn't a derby. But um, I, I don't think there was such a big issue. I think if the fans were in the stadium, it would have been a different story. I, 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 okay, as a football fan, let me jump in there and say I kind of agree with Roy King because you can be pally pally in the tunnel. You, you can go and exchange numbers and, and, I don't know, arrange your Starbucks. But when you're on camera, you, you just walk off. You know, it was a, it was a dire draw. <laughs> duty of care, Ross. I keep using this phrase, duty of care. There you That's go. What they've got they've got that to their clubs, they've got that to their fans, they've got that to the league. Yeah. Ah, um, what else can we say about the Manchester derby then? Um, they're in the, the mix, as, as Des pointed out. So we'll, we'll come back to them later because there is a midweek round of matches to discuss. Let's reel back to Friday night where Leeds United lost at home to West Ham. It was a 2-1 win for David Moyes and West Ham. In fact, this was probably the only game where VAR reared its head over the weekend. It was a retaken penalty. Bit harsh, but in the end, West Ham came through it. 2-1 win. It was a, a win that moved them up to fifth momentarily. They're now down to sixth. But how good are the Hammers this season under Moyes, Cam? Well, I, I'm really fascinated by uh, Moyes and West Ham because I've become really used to these revolutionary Gagan pressing and City's cutbacks and even Leeds uh, with, uh, with their industry. But Moyes is playing kind of like generic football, um, just sort of competent football in all these different areas. Uh, not quite sure what the game plan is, but it seems to be working. And I don't think there's any... Is there any whisper of Moyes out at West Ham, which would be very rare? <laughs> no, uh, none, none at the moment. Yeah. I don't think. It seems to be a happy place. West Ham, who would have thought it? 
Yeah, um, great great performances from Thomas Suchek. He has been great for them in, in midfield. Uh, Ogbonna in defence. Des popping up with a goal as well. I mean, they're quite entertaining, West Ham. You can't say they're, they're dull and they're bludgeoning their way to wins. I wouldn't go that far and say they're entertaining. I say they're, they're, they're good on the break. Sorry, I've got to go back to VAR. We've let computers win. It's a game ruled by computers now. That uh, Fabianski, yes, he's off the line by this much. You, you've got to give some discretion to the referees. So now it's any handball, anything, it's computers. Get rid of the referees. Just get rid of them. They're not needed on the field of play. Neither are the assistant referees. Just get rid of them. They're not needed because these flipping computers are going to overturn every reasonable decision that, that might be made. Fabianski moving. Rubbish. Absolute garbage. David Moyes said, whoever saw it must have had Fabianski's foot x-rayed because the decision was rubbish. <laughs> Echoing what Des said there. All right, let's focus on Leeds United here, Nicholas Arnil. What's gone wrong with them? Eight points from the last nine games only. Um, problems? Yeah, I don't think it was ever going to be easy uh, for a team like Leeds uh, to come to the Premier League and play the same expensive, uh, ex- expensive style that they, they played in the Championship. Uh, the teams in the Premier League are obviously of a different level. And when you try to go full on for 90 minutes, uh, you are going to get undone. And Leeds undoing this season have been through set pieces. Uh, seven goals considered from set pieces, uh, two against Crystal Palace and, and two really soft goals. Uh, in my opinion, against West Ham. Uh, they still not sorted out uh, the defensive uh, side of things. You know, we had Luke Ayling playing in a centre-back position and he's a right-back. Mm. Um, uh, there's not been a replacement for Ben White uh, as of yet. Um, uh, Lorente has only come on and played once. And Robin Cock has been injured. Uh, and so these are problems that need to be sorted out. Calvin Phillips have uh, not uh, rediscovered his true form in central midfield. And, uh, you know, we have Bamford up front, but when he doesn't score, then uh, there's the one to really step up to the fore. So I don't expect to see much changes in terms of lead style of play. I think they're still going to struggle. It's going to be all or nothing uh, from now till the end of the season. But uh, with, with better luck, with, with injuries, we get uh, more players back. You know, we have, a, we have a bit more depth perhaps in the January transfer window. Mm. Um, there is a chance of, you know, staying. Because ultimately, staying in the league is what matters, at least for this season. Yeah, yeah, it's all, all about surviving that first season. All right, you, you mentioned, uh, Nic- Nicholas mentioned Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips, along with Declan Rice, were, were two English defensive central midfielders on show. Declan Rice this season, Des, has taken the captain's armband. Um, practically every performance is at least a 7 out of 10 from him. He, he gives his all. Yeah, he does, but he doesn't create an awful lot. No, but he's a defensive he, he, midfielder. What do you want from exactly. him? Exactly. So, so he stifles. It's West Ham. Their star player is a stifling midfielder who passes the ball. They play it down, down, down wide. And they play on the breakaway. He wins and passes. For him to get all these plaudits for being a wonderful player, he's not. He's not. A, he's, he doesn't create opportunities. He doesn't get forward. He doesn't drive into the penalty area. He's effectively a centre half in the middle, middle of the pack. It's very David Moyes. It's very Everton. <laughs> uh, very Everton of, of, of uh, uh, difficult to, to break down. Don't throw too many up, um, up into attack. Hit, hit on the break, and he, he's, he's repeating it. Good luck to them. But this, this praise for Declan Rice. Yeah, he's a solid defensive midfielder. Very solid. <laughs> That's it. Cam, a- any praise from your end for anyone? Uh, not for Des. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's personal. Des, well, 
No, because we'll get on to it in a minute when we talk about Liverpool. But I think Des is only happy if every team tries to play like Liverpool, but not as well as Liverpool, and then gets, gets steamrolled by Liverpool. Um, I've, just, just, I've just said he's a competent player. Yeah, but, but faint praise, faint praise. No, I think, you know, uh, competent player, competent play all round in that team. And, uh, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where West Ham go with this. All right. I just want to add... I think David Moyes, uh, towards the end of last season, there had been so much on pressure on, on him, you know, because mm. he had not been able to bring West Ham without. But he's made some absolutely astute signings this season, and look where they are. You know, you have Jared Bourne, who was a steal from the championship, and you've got Saeed Ben Rama from Brentford. And yeah. God knows when he realizes his potential in the Premier League, he could take West Ham to a different level. And you've got Manuel Lanzini in the bench, you've got Robert Snodgrass. I think. David Moyes is sitting on a potential gold mine and they could be dark horses for European place. All right. Nicely said. Uh, more about West Ham later on. Uh, the early Saturday game was Everton 1, Chelsea 0. Um, 2,000 returning fans, according to Carlo Ancelotti, made a total difference in this one. Uh, Everton ended Chelsea's, what, 17-match unbeaten run here, Des. Um Good win, a needed win for the Toffees, and and maybe a wake up call for Lampard and Chelsea. So this is proper Everton. This is now they've stopped celebrating winning the title after four matches. This is, <laughs> because uh, they keep this, hearing you say that. <laughs> this this is proper Everton. This is them scrapping and battling and and getting forward and pressurising, uh, using Calvert-Lewin's uh, uh, ability up front. Uh, 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 Richarlison, I tell you, uh, I, I keep saying, everyone keeps telling me that it's Rodriguez who's, who's the key at Everton. It's Richarlison. Yeah. Every time for me, if, if he's out, they don't create as much because his work ethic is good. I, I just think he's a really, really important player for Everton. And they, they out Chelsea, Chelsea, they dominated Chelsea. They won the ball. They got possession. They defended well. Uh, Mendy made his first kind of mistake to concede the goal. But those 2,000 at Goodison, and if you've never been to Goodison, it's a lovely tight um, stadium and, and the, the noise stays in and it bounces around. So even those 2,000 in the Bullens Road and the Gladys Street, they made a heck of a din. And I was reluctant to, to admit that, the, that so few fans could make a difference. But it really does seem to, to be it. Listening on the radio, as I did to that one, and then, then I saw the highlights, the atmosphere was just beautiful. And that's with 2,000 people in. I, I, Des, you spot on. Because watching it, I had a smile on my face when I heard booing, live booing at the referee <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, it's just you've missed it so much. And it's been so long. Uh, incredible stuff. Um, but... Chelsea. All right. Olivier Giroud started up front, failed to continue his, his recent fine form, left a bit isolated. But if you've got Werner and Havertz as well, Nick, in, in your side, surely you're expected to score. Yeah, exactly. Especially uh, Havertz, uh, who had a really bad game. And I think um, he has had a string of, of poor performances. Um, and uh, that has contributed to uh, the lack of uh, goals uh, or opportunities created for Giroud, rather. Um, and I think uh, that has been the defining uh, difference. Because if you look at this game, Everton started primarily with four centre-backs. They had Ben Godfrey operating on the left and Mason Holgate, who's also a centre-back, operating on the right. And Yeri Mina and Michael Keane uh, had not been playing together regularly this season. So if anything, this was Chelsea's chance to actually go at an Everton side uh, with Pickford, who's in and out uh, as well. Uh, but they just didn't create enough chances. You know, Timo Werner is... He's a brilliant worker. He's 
his work rate is just second to none. Uh, but I think the finishing touch uh, he has yet to find in the Premier League and, and Havertz as well uh, is just the camaraderie between uh, this, this, uh, these two players in particular for me, Werner and Howards. Once they start firing, Chelsea will not be short on goals. And I think um, that was uh, ultimately the undoing of, of their loss. Mm. Um, after the defeat, Cam, Frank Lampard said, that should stop all the talk about us being title contenders. Um, they're only down to fifth. It's a very close, uh, what, 12 games so far. One win pushes you up there. One defeat down, down to mid-table. But are they? Are they, are they challenges or not? Well, I, I get very excited by um, uh, a single result. So um, uh, a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, my God, Chelsea are going to win the league. Now I'm thinking, no, they're going to they're gonna lose completely. Because I think a lot of people are going to take notes from what Ancelotti did against this uh, free-scoring Chelsea squad. And as Des said, stifling them is possible. Um, you, you, you cut them off and they, they will struggle. And they also are always in danger of conceding a goal. But Mende has been important to them, the new goalkeeper. And he did show, was there a slight problem there for a moment? And, <laughs> uh, and then... You know, when their goalkeepers fall apart, Chelsea's in deep trouble. So I'm, I'm hoping that he, he keeps his form. But uh, any trouble at the back and, and they're going to be, it's going to be trouble for Chelsea all around. All right. Good win for Everton. Uh, we're off our first break. You stay tuned. We're talking about Spurs and Liverpool, the Sunday games next. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Cam Rasler and Des Corkill and Nicholas Arnil looking at the big games on Sunday. The early kickoff was Crystal Palace 1, Spurs 1. Harry Kane put Spurs on course for a sixth win in seven league games. Shot from 30 yards. You looked at it and you went, ooh, Gayata, you, you went the wrong way. You had two hands on it and you palmed it into the goal. But Crystal Palace came back in that second half, Des Corkill. And that's, I'll, hands up, that's the best I've ever seen Crystal Palace play football. And I mean football. They played football. Number one, I can't let you get away with that with Gayata. That ball has swerved like it's, nobody's yeah, business. That is the modern football. He's gone one way and the ball has deviated a good two, three yards the other way. So I'm not having that. He also made up for it with a sensational yes. save yeah. right at the end. Although I suspect you would have reckoned he should have caught it. No, no, no. That, that one-handed <laughs> save, it was, it was top corner. Um, no, we were going to work out to the fact that Gaeta more than made up for it because he put in a, a great shift. The whole Crystal Palace team. I had. So I what, had... what Palace did was they went to win a game of football. That's. I, I, how many times do they say that? You try and win games of football, you will get your reward. Sometimes you'll get beaten. Sorry, Cam, but winning games of football is important. Easy looks a little bit special, doesn't he? Exactly. Uh, I, had, yep. I hadn't really realised he does look a bit a bit useful. And Jeff Schlepp is getting forward more and more. You add that to Benteke, who's looking like the centre forward that we all know he is. And then you're not reliant upon Zaha. And then you've got Milojevic and uh, MacArthur pushing forward from... from um, Midfield, suddenly you've got a team who can cause a threat, and not just from set pieces, um, although the, the, the goal they came uh, scored came from a set piece, but they tried to win a game of football. There's the result. Well done, Palace. Well Don't done, Palace. 
indeed. Um, how much credit has to go to Roy Hodgson here, Nicholas? I know. I mean, a lot of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we have a conversation about Roy Hodgson, you know, he's always being passed off as a, you know, uh, a coach that doesn't seem to be able to get the best out of his team, or you know, he doesn't seem to be able to to inspire his players to do to perform better than than, than they can. But this isn't. It's been a different story altogether. And this has not been a single performance uh, that, that Crystal Palace have, have you know, really shown. You know, last week, we look at the performance against West Brom. No doubt, they had the advantage uh, playing with an extra man, but they absolutely destroyed uh, West Brom. You know? And then you look at the game against Leeds. Uh, they, they, they deserve to be where they are at, at this point. And to get SA for a paltry 17 million is an absolute steal. And it's something that Roy Hodgson will be proud of. He can make SA his project. You know, he's young, he's English. And he's got a lot of potential that yet has yet to be fulfilled. And he seems to have already developed a good partnership with Wilfred Zaha and Benteke. And as uh, Des pointed out earlier, Benteke is also slowly uh, rediscovering. He should form. have scored. He yeah, should he should have, have scored a few. Yeah. But um, you're, you're right. Uh, Aberici Eze looks a really decent player. And, and I tell you what, the Crystal Palace fans haven't, not many of them have seen him live in the flesh yet. So they're going to be massively entertained. Um, but but major slip-up, was it, Cam, for Jose Mourinho's Tottenham and the Jose machine? Uh, they, had, they had slender chances. I thought that Kane's goal was magnificent, by the way. Uh, I don't think... It was a weekend for goalkeepers, and I think that uh, he didn't stand a chance against that one. Uh, Son had a couple of half chances. Difficult against this uh, Palace team that's really pushing forward and, and I, I really do I want to praise Eze as well I, I, I don't know much about the guy but uh, what I saw I thought was really promising and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do and isn't it amazing that the uh, the oldest man in football Hodgson uh, who is older than football itself has produced <laughs> yeah. uh, a team that's uh, so vibrant and full of speed I know it's great. This is this is the wonderful world of football and the lovely surprises that it throws up at you. Um, Sixteen shots on goal. Crystal Palace had. <laughs> I don't think I've ever ever said that. Five were on target, and of course, one found the net. Jeffrey Schlupp looks good. All right, we'll we'll talk more about Crystal Palace later on. The other Sunday game also kind of threw up a shock. Also finished one-one. Fulham won. Liverpool won. Bobby Decover. Dickadova Reed. There you go. Got his name right. Triple barrel. <laughs> he put Fulham. Um, Fulham. I mean, wow. Uh, who knew Fulham could play like that, Nicholas Arnil? Yeah, exactly. When you look at that that forward line and you see Mitrovic missing, you ultimately think that you know Fulham are not going to stand a chance against this Liverpool side. But that first twenty-five minutes, that first half, half an hour, entire half, they, they should have. They, they should have scored at least two goals. You know. They were absolutely immense. And, and they did what Scott Parker had sent them out to do, which was to pressure Liverpool from the goalkeeper's uh, position. So both the strikers, Adamula, Lukman, um, and, and the goal scorer, they were absolutely immense. And you had both the wingbacks who were superb as well, Anton yeah. Robinson and, and Bobby Reed. You know? um, and I think that uh, had they taken a two-goal advantage in the first half an hour, Liverpool wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't well, have gotten anything out of this game. Were they denied a penalty that Fabinho challenged? Not for me. Not for me. Fabinho absolutely got the ball. It was not even a follow-through. It was the momentum that sent um, the player tumbling. But yeah, I, I think VAR came to, to the rescue this time. 
and um, Des would agree as well. Okay, uh, <laughs> li- li- shades of Villa Park performance in in terms of Liverpool going in at halftime one down. Um, but I I didn't see that whole Villa uh, Aston Villa game live. I just saw highlights. This one. I didn't see Liverpool come into the game at all in that first half. And Nick was right. Come half time, I thought, oh, they just won nil up. <laughs> but Des, are you surprised? Is, is the whole injury thing catching up? Because Jota, we heard now, is out for a while. Yeah, and Shimikas, who was uh, meant to, to relieve uh, Andy Robson a little bit. Uh, it's not surprising because the, 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 uh, the, the, the volume of injuries... For, for Liverpool, as well as the, the keenness of the players. It means they are, uh, Joel Matip also had to go up at half-time. It means they are without an established centre-back. Um, it means Jordan Henderson's drive from midfield is missing, although for once Jordan Henderson wasn't able to impact the, the game in the first half. Liverpool are, are, are running on, um, on air at the moment. Uh, when the players come back, they... They will be a force. I think it's really important for Liverpool to pick up points away from home and win the home games at, at, at Anfield and stay just competitive. It's not like last year where they no. had a full squad and very yeah. few injuries. Uh, it, it, it's a very different scenario. We always thought, or I always thought, that uh, a lot of other teams had come into the mix. I didn't quite think it'd be this many teams. Um, so, yeah, you, you want to win games, but I'm, I'm happy to get a point because... Fulham are good. We, I think Fulham showed against Manchester City that they yeah. can play yeah. in their defeat against Everton, where I thought they were very unlucky that they can play. And they had that win at Leicester. Yeah. So Fulham are, are, are growing into this division. And again, they tried to go and win a game of football. And there's your reward. Indeed, there's your reward. Now, are, are, are they your latest favourite team, Cam? Fulham. <laughs> Well, actually, I really I was thinking of Des when I watched this match. Uh, you know that duty of care and entertainment thing because, you know, they they as Nicholas said, uh, first 20, 25 minutes it was just full on pressure from Fulham. Then they got their goal, and then you have it's difficult then for a team. They have a choice: do you park the bus at that point against someone like Liverpool, or do you continue and be perhaps suicidal in risking everything? And they continued. To, to put the pressure on, balance Liverpool, and uh, we, who are suffering from injuries. But yeah, it's it was really uh, uh, a perhaps potentially suicidal choice, but it, it paid off. They got uh, they got their just desserts. They they say a team mirrors its manager, and and Jurgen Klopp has been a little bit feisty, riled recently. Uh, you know, it's. You get the impression, I, I don't know, I did a little bit, and also I read a piece on it that said they're playing in Jurgen Klopp's image at the moment, Des. It's like as if the players are going, oh, we have to play another game, and it's not the normal zest. I, I don't know, I think everyone's still expecting Liverpool to win the league by 90, 96 points, and, and you know what I mean? But is there any truth in that? Do, does a team mirror its manager's mood? I don't think it mirrors the manager's mood. It mirrors uh, the manager's um, how, his style of play. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, what I, what I think he's doing very, very well is he's deflecting. He's talking yeah. about things other, other than the game of football. He's talking not as an excuse, but um, his reaction to the Jota and uh, Chimikas injury was unbelievable. huh? Ah, but we'll get on with it. But he's talking about other things than, than the game itself. I haven't seen a quote from him. Did you see um, him about flip? yesterday's game? Did you see I, him I, flip on, on the on the touchline when he would kept banging his chest, telling his team to wake up? 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's exactly yeah, that's what you want from yeah, the coach. Exactly. I love, I love that. I love that. Um, hey, hey, this is Saint Jurgen. You, you can't say anything nasty <laughs> about Jurgen Klopp. It's, 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 it's illegal. It's, it's a law. <laughs> well. We go to the break with a point well earned, according to Des Conkill by Jurgen Klopp's voice at Craven Cottage. Uh, stay tuned. We're back with Arsenal. Oh, dear me, Arsenal. Next. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Des Corkill, Nicholas Anil, and Cam Raslan here on a Monday evening, looking back at the weekend's EPL action. As usual, you can find us all individually on Twitter. You can also tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel up. It's TFIF on video. Do check it out, please. Arsenal nil, Burnley won, 2,000 fans were out into the Emirates Stadium and they jeered their own team off uh, after they lost to struggling Burnley. Good news is Obama Young finally found the back of the net, Des Corkill. If you're losing to Burnley at home, my word, you've got problems. Good old we, Arsenal, booing we, yourself. You, you've been not allowed to be in the stadium for eight months and you boo your team off. That's really going to get them turning. And let me just repeat, it's gone really well since they sacked Arsene Wenger, hasn't it? But we were previewing it on Friday, Des, and you're going, yeah, but it's Burnley. So let's <laughs> That's what I mean. They have got major problems because... Oh. Burnley deserved the win. Although the goal came from a, yeah. a, a scruffy yeah, yeah, set yeah. piece, uh, Chris Wood had a, a glorious chance yeah. to, to win it. Nick Pope had to make a couple of decent saves to, to, his, to his credit. I'm a, I'm a fan of Nick Pope, but uh, Burnley are very one-dimensional and Arsenal were unable to break down a one-dimensional team. Um, I really think... And then uh, the, the Zaka red card, everyone, I know everyone will say, oh yes, he's stupid. And I'm kind of going, oh, what kind of a stupid game have we got where any kind of altercation is, is going to produce a red, red card. All that needs, it needs a word from the referee saying, don't be stupid, Granite. Calm but, down. Have okay. But having, having seen a red card, El Nenny then went and pushed his hand in the face and the talk is that he should have been shown a red as well and Arsenal should have finished with nine. Uh, but... But yeah, I'm okay. A little bit about Burnley here. If you include Aubameyang's own goal, Nicholas Arnold, Burnley have scored six goals in 12 matches. Aubameyang's joint top scorer, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Aubameyang, incidentally, has scored as many goals uh, as he has for Arsenal as he did for Burnley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this season, right? Uh, Had him on championship uh, fantasy football, absolutely did not do anything. The most disappointing player. On fantasy, and I think millions of fans. Oh yeah, resonate the most well. released player after two or three weeks, I think for <laughs> sure. Yeah, but but it's not Abamayang is not the only problem in Arsenal. You look at the quality that they have this season. You know, you you they, they got billion, and you have Pepe, and you have Lacazette, and of course you put Abamayang into the mix. You know, these players in totality, they they should be guaranteeing you at least fifty to sixty goals a season. Where is it? I don't think they've even amounted to uh, double digits so far. They've mm. been horrendous. So I don't think the blame lies with, with Arteta because we've seen this cycle since Wenger. You know, you had Emery come in and he did a decent job for a while, but after a while, the board deemed 
team not good and in came Arteta and Arteta came in with not so much of a pedigree he came in more as a Pep Guardiola's understudy and he came in as an ex player and so the trust was built just based on that and i think he had did done well for them um, last season you know got them the FA Cup did well to to finish uh, well towards the tail end of last season uh, but this season just things have just not gone well for him at all and you know i, I wouldn't put the blame entirely on him you know uh, he he's now um, not talking to luis there's friction in the dressing room as well but i think you know characters characters like that also contribute towards the problem uh, because when luis was not performing at the start of the season yeah. ateta had faith with him and you know and he kept him in the squad but now seeing that the team is not performing to go against your manager for me is not right and you know when you have the rest of the stellar cast who are supposed to deliver the goods and they're not delivering the goods who else are you going to to rely on when you start hearing stories about player unrest it, it generally is the start of something bad for the manager ultimately um but there's a there's a twitter parody account cameras line um it's assigned to Mesut Ozil it says not not a real Mesut Ozil account and immediately it tweeted do you need some help arsenal after the game <laughs> it got thousands of retweets when i saw it i i literally laughed out loud but it's true uh, though he's a quality player that's sitting at home watching netflix uh yeah yeah um god that would just it would just destroy uh, arteta if you put him on i think that arsenal fans and manchester united fans need to wake up to the new reality of the situation and you know when when wenger came in he was a revolutionary manager but it was also more easy to be revolutionary then you just make sure your players are not drunk when they go on the pitch and they pass <laughs> different time to time and just and, make sure tony so that, adams was sober that's it yeah yeah um but but now it's harder to be revolutionary and i wonder if there's an inner soul an undeniable soul to a club in the way that say liverpool or even spurs have you know you can't deny their effervescence and and their energy but perhaps the soul of of Arsenal is actually that George Graham uh, uh, doggedness of the past. And so I would love to see, I know they're not going to be in any uh, relegation trouble, but I would love to see Sam Allardyce to Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it can can be argued that Arteta is actually trying to replicate the George Graham Arsenal. He's, He's pragmatic, if anything. Arsenal have tried to solidify at the back. They've lost a lot of attacking zest, Des, in, in, in the process, haven't they? He's changed his mind on how he was playing. Yeah. Um, he played three at the back. And if you change your mind, that suggests that it wasn't a great idea in the first place. So you're not sure of what you're doing. And considering that the background, uh, the work he'd done under Pep Guardiola, I'm really surprised he has changed on, let's call it principles or whatever you want. Um but there's still four very good attacking players in that starting lineup. William, exactly. Lacazette. Lacazette was really sought after uh, when, when he first came over. Saka, we keep talking about, or sorry, the British press keep talking about because he's London based, uh, shock horror. And Obama Yang is a world class striker. They should be causing problems. El Nani can play, Bellerin can get forward, so can Tierney. So as an attacking force, they should be offering more. I just think it's a little bit like uh, Jose Mourinho like. He wants to sit back and defend. And if you don't get support to Aubameyang, he's not going to score as many goals as he, as he does when he does have support and the ball coming into the box regularly. 
How much time has Arteta got? Oh, I think all the time in the world. They're not going to get rid of Arteta. You reckon? Bring back Arsene. <laughs> it's not a bad idea at the moment. All right, let's leave off the EPL uh, for, for a bit and, and talk about big news around Europe. Borussia Dortmund. I actually watched this game. I was flicking around. Um, Dortmund won Stuttgart 5. It's true Stuttgart are in good form at the moment, but they're not 5-1 better than Dortmund. I mean, Dortmund were, were shown off Haaland. Uh, they still had Sancho. They had Bellingham. They had Royce, uh, Hummels at the back. But they, they were done 5-1 straight after the game. Lucien Favre sacked by Dortmund, Nicolas Arnel. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's harsh um, on, on Favre's part. You, know, you look statistically, you look at his performance. He's been one of the highest performing managers in their history. You know, but the difference is uh, if you put him, if you rank him along Tuchel, if you rank him along Klopp, he has yet to deliver a trophy. But nonetheless, I think Dortmund have been decent this season. They have not been terrible. They are fifth in the Bundesliga. They've made the Champions League last 16. And, you know, given time, power can turn things around, you know. Uh, season's still early, you know. Um, but ultimately, the board decided and... The bigger question now is who is going to fill these shoes? Which manager in Europe can come in and command a team of this magnitude? They're, they're one of the best sides in Europe. Mauricio Pochettino. So have, yeah, he, he's the biggest <laughs> name out there. Yeah. He's got to be one of the names bandied. I wonder if when now that Lucien Favre is gone, would it be easier to price Haaland and Sancho away from Dortmund? Just asking for a, for a friend. <laughs> it's, it's not about you, Ross. It's not about you. Hang on. I'd just like to, to come in here because, again, I, I've got to think about the English press and their, their, their bias. So Jude Bellingham's meant to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Jordan he, Sancho, he was uh, terrible Sancho, in that game. You, you, can't, you cannot touch Jaden Sancho because he's worth £100 million. Where are they? Where were they? I watched, I watched this game as well, and I'm kind of going, if you're that good, if, if you're being uh, an England international at the age of 17, you must be pretty special. Stuttgart made him look incredibly yeah. ordinary. So, yeah. again, you can talk people up all you want. A player has got to perform regularly and consistently at a good level before he should get that elevation, uh, referring back to Declan Rice. <laughs> All right, let's go into the break. Uh, yeah, before that, just to mention that Real Madrid won the Madrid derby. In fact, inflicted the first defeat of the season on leaders Atletico. Derbies, I tell you, with or without fans, sometimes you just throw that form book out because everybody was backing Atletico going into that one. All right, final break. We'll talk about the midweek EPL for you next. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Nicholas Arnil, Des Corkill and Cam Razlan here looking forward to match week 13 happening over midweek for you. Uh, Wolves versus Chelsea is a Tuesday night, Wednesday game. I think it's a 1 a.m. kickoff, that one. Uh, beaten on Saturday by Aston Villa. They, they lack a cutting edge since Raul Jimenez's injury. Uh, will Wolves be looking to the January transfer window here, Nick? Yeah, definitely. They badly need a replacement for Jota. A Portuguese striker, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just add him into the Portuguese card. <laughs> I just couldn't understand the, the, the reason behind uh, selling Jota. And 
and I think Liverpool got him at, at a relatively uh, great price. Uh, he, he he sold for what 45 million. Uh, not a reflection of a player of, of his stature, and and they've struggled. Uh, Podence uh, has has not really assumed that that, that role just yet. Uh, so they are missing that creative spark um, and added to the injury to uh, Jimenez. Uh, this is this is the two focal points for Wolves uh, last season, and and when they are missing this this uh, spark, uh, they are struggling. And uh, the coach uh, Aspiro Santos will will really have to uh, to come up with the goods uh, this time. Yeah, uh, you you feel there's a reaction coming from Chelsea after the weekend's Everton loss as well. So watch out, Wolves, that one. Uh, Man City take on West Brom 4 a.m. Uh, also Wednesday night. Uh, sorry, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, it doesn't get easier for the baggies. They lost two one at Newcastle. Uh, Des on on Saturday, their 19th. We went into the weekend. There was a lot of press going into the weekend saying one more loss. Uh, for Slavin Bilic, and and that's it. It wasn't a whooping. I thought the baggies actually tried in in this game. They just don't have the quality, do they? Yeah, it's a, a potential banana skin for Man City this one, simply because West Brom have got nothing to lose, and if they're able to keep a clean sheet in the first half, City might panic. But um, gosh, West Brom. Yeah, uh, sorry to repeat myself. They're not trying to win matches. They're not. They're sitting back. They're playing with a back five and two holding midfielders away at Newcastle. When they do break, uh, um, poor old uh, Conor Gallagher, he looks a very good player. But if you don't give him options to pass to, he can't beat five players on on his own. So um, Newcastle came out; they wanted to win it more than West Brom. Um, they're, they're still not a thrill a minute, but at least they they tried to win games. Oh, West Brom! Gosh, try I, go and try and win matches. Four <laughs> a.m. That one kicks off. Man City versus West Brom. Four a.m. on Wednesday. Arsenal versus Southampton is Thursday. One a.m. It's a quick fire return to the Emirates. Cameras land for the Arsenal. Um, always good to get back on the horse once you've fallen off. They say. Uh, yeah, this is one of the most important matches of the weekend. I think, and uh, you know, midweek. Sorry, uh, you know, like. Uh, Southampton's always been the poor man's Liverpool and the poor man's Arsenal, uh, but now what? They're fifth. Yeah, fourth. fourth uh, I think, yeah. They're flying yeah. high. Uh, will, they, will they fourth? They're fourth, are they? Will they sustain that? Arsenal at fifteenth, um, and uh, they 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 have to make a response here. Otherwise, I'm, I don't think Arteta's job is on the line, but I think that he will be under uh, pressure by the players if. If this goes wrongly, and it could well go wrongly, exactly. I I tell you what, I can see a Southampton away win in that one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, should be very interesting. Uh, that is uh, uh, Thursday, 1 a.m. That one. Leeds United back at home again. Nicholas Arnold. They've dropped down to 14th. Three losses now in the last five. They take on Newcastle. Now this is a good one to win at home. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a chance to to end this rut of uh, winless streak, um, and I'm really hoping uh, that the defensive part of it is sorted out. That that is first and foremost. They got to start stop uh, giving away goals from set pieces, and I think up front, Bamford maybe uh, is not uh, the force that he was at the start of the season. Um, he could he Rodrigo could assume that 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 position. 
and play as the lone striker. So you're saying he may, maybe rest him coming on the bench or something? Yeah, I think he needs uh, to be rested uh, because simply because he's been he's been playing non-stop since the uh, since the start of this season and even last season. Uh, he's assumed that that number nine role almost single-handedly um, and giving uh, an opportunity to Rodrigo could be a breath of uh, fresh air. Um, but it won't be easy against the Newcastle side uh, who have been doing really well under Steve Bruce this season. All right. Well, it's a, it's a 1 a.m. Thursday game that won Leeds versus Newcastle. Leicester versus Everton is also uh, Thursday, 1 a.m. Leicester up to third, Des, after that 3-0 win over Brighton. James Madison with a brace, Jamie Vardy with the goal. Quietly going along. This is how Brendan Rodgers likes it as well. Yeah, they played very well. The Madison second goal was was a, an absolute beauty because there's there's nowhere for him him to go and the way he shimmies back onto his left. And Matty Ryan knows exactly where that ball is going. He just can't can't get over there to stop it. Uh, the first goal was nicely placed as well. Ryan might think that he could have got a stronger hand on it. So you three 0 up at half time and Leicester. They, they do stumble occasionally. I think with Leicester, the first goal is so, so important. If mm-hmm. they get it, yeah, then they, they can build their fast breaks attacks. If they don't get it, that's when they, 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 they struggle a little bit. It may seem a, an obvious statement about the importance of the first goal, but with Leicester, I think it really does indicate how they are going to play in a game. Yeah, uh, and, and it'd be interesting to see how well Everton defend in this one. Uh, against a marauding Leicester. They, they are, Vardy is still super quick. Uh, 1 a.m. kickoff on Thursday, that one. Fulham versus Brighton is Thursday, 4 a.m. Uh, Brighton are trying to avoid the third, a third consecutive defeat. Can Fulham build on, on that promising Liverpool performance, Cameras line? Will there be well, uh, another Michael Jackson statue outside the stadium? <laughs> Uh, well, as a lifelong Fulham Wanderers fan since last weekend, um, I was impressed by by the uh, by the effort, but also by the philosophy. I mean, you know, agreeing here with Des, and I think that this this coming match could, if they follow if they follow on from that, yeah, this could be a hellful leather, really exciting match, uh, which which could be goals, 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 and in a championship kind of way. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Fulham can uh, can build on that. I, I hope so. Uh, interesting game. 4 a.m. that one, Thursday. Uh, these are all uh, match week 13 matches happening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for you. Undoubtedly, the tie of the midweek round uh, it is Liverpool versus Tottenham. It's a Thursday 4 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Nick, looking at Tottenham and, and Jose... How will he go there even more defensive? Yeah, of course. Uh, he'll be setting out his team to let the opposition have the ball and play on the counter, like how he's always done, with the exception of yesterday, which I thought the first half, uh, they really went at it against uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, but he'll revert to type against Liverpool. Um, and he will be confident of, uh, of coming away with a result, simply because of uh, Liverpool's extensive uh, injury crisis. Um, and... Um, it's the exact opposite for uh, Spurs, you know. Uh, they have depth uh, in their squad. They have uh, great uh, speed in their counter-attack. Uh, they have a redefined Harry Kane who's now uh, in a playmaker role. So he can not only score, he can also create chances. You have Son who's, who's on form. I think uh, Liverpool will be coming into this game. With, with, they will be trading with, with caution. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, a makeshift defense, Des, is going to be worrying about Son and Kane and, and their partnership and, and the pace that Tottenham have. And coupled with the fact that Joel Martip, we mentioned, went off with a back spasm, Jurgen Klopp's hoping to have him back. But if he doesn't come back, it looks like Henderson and Fabinho as your centre-backs. Uh, no, I doubt he'll play Henderson uh, in, in a game like this in, 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 the, in, in the back. He'll be one of the young kids. Uh, yeah, be, 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 one of, be one of the other lads. And pace uh, with Son, that's, that's the danger because Liverpool will try to take the game to Tottenham if we assume Tottenham will sit back and allow 70% possession. But Son's pace, oh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. But if you're facing it, it must be absolutely terrifying. Um, even Alisson playing high off, off, off his line, he may struggle to get to the ball ahead of uh, uh, Son Heung-min because um, if Son gets, gets a gallop going, gosh, that pace is there. So that's, that's the, the real problem for Liverpool. At the other end, though, let's not forget, we uh, went into the Wolves game expecting Wolves to really give them a difficult game, 4-0. Mm. Went into the Leicester game, expecting Leicester to give them a real difficult game, 3-0. Something at Liverpool and uh, the energy of the 2,000 fans uh, does seem to inspire the, the, the players a little bit. So, um, fascinating, fascinating. Again, first goal. First goal in this one is, is just paramount. If Liverpool get it, they might go on and, and, and uh, get a decent win. If Tottenham get it, <laughs> shut up shop. There'll be boards and buses and planks and all kinds of things in front of Hugo Lloris. <laughs> The standout tie of midweek. Liverpool versus Tottenham, Thursday, 4 a.m. Quick kickoff that one. Uh, elsewhere, you've got West Ham against Crystal Palace, that's 6th against 11th. Aston Villa against Burnley, that's 10th against 17th. And Sheffield United against Man United is a Thursday night, Friday morning game. United looking for a ninth straight away win, which is quite amazing in itself. Right, that's it. Hopefully, we've set you up nicely. Do check on our Facebook page for the Champions League draw. For now, I say thanks to Nicholas Anil. Thank you, Ross. Good to be back. Thanks to Cameron Aslan. Thanks, Ross. And muchas gracias, Descoquil. Always a pleasure, Ross. Just get VAR out of our game, please. <laughs> Start that petition now. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.